All right, good morning, everybody. This morning we'll be in Exodus chapter 33. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, Exodus 33. If you need a Bible, they're back there by the sound booth there. You can uh, take one as a loaner. And if you don't own one, you're, of course, welcome to keep it. After second service today, there'll be a final Breaking Chains uh, volunteer meeting um, at, was it at 3 o'clock, JC? 3 o'clock. Um, I think the kids and, you know, those who can still run and kick balls will be playing games today also out in the back soccer field there. I don't know what time they're going to start, probably after the meeting, probably 4 or so. So they'll be doing that out there, maybe throwing a Frisbee or something. So they'll be, um, that'll be going on this afternoon as well. In Exodus 33, this comes right after Moses, on God's behalf, exacted judgment upon the nation of Israel because of their disobedience to him. He had gone up on the mountain for a few days to hear from the Lord and to get some direction and some guidance on, on you know, what they're supposed to do as a people. This is a new thing. This is a nation being born here. They're, there aren't any, aren't any rules yet, and so they're getting him written out here, and he's got these Ten Commandments, and on his way down, he realizes that, um, and God's told him this, that the, the whole nation is in sin. They've all rejected God, and they're, um, they're worshiping this calf. And so um, God calls them Moses' people. Moses intercedes on behalf of the people, but then taking upon that responsibility, Knowing that he said, well, they're my people and they're your people and I, I'll deal with this. He went down and dealt with it. Ground up the calf, made them all drink it in the water. Um, uh, had, all the, had all the priests strap on swords and wiped out everybody that wouldn't repent. Everybody that wouldn't turn from God or turn to God and away from their calf. Um, he wiped them out. A cleansing took place is what happened. A removal. Now, you know, on the surface you look at that and it's like, man... It's rough, but it's nothing compared to what God's going to do when he returns his second time. I I think people forget that sometimes. When you hear people talk about Jesus being in the New Testament, the Old Testament's just so bloody and so awful, and and I just, I I don't know, it's just not the same God anymore. You're going to be really disappointed when he comes back a second time to bring his judgment upon the earth. Read Revelations. You understand that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. We're in an age of grace. We're in an age, a period, a time of where people can choose God or they cannot choose God. They can choose to follow him and receive him as their Lord and Savior or not to. It's up to them. And that's really what this chapter 33 is all about. This is an opportunity for the nation of Israel. Listen to this. This is an opportunity for the nation of Israel to have everything they've ever wanted without God without him? And that's a question every one of us has to ask. Am I a true worshiper of God? If God were to give me everything I've ever wanted or ever asked for, and but he wouldn't go with me, he wouldn't be with me, but I'd have everything I wanted. I'd have $10 million. I could live the way I wanted to live. I could have all the cars I wanted, have a, a beach house on both coasts, maybe in Greece as well. All the wealth, all the women, all the men, depending on who you are. I could have everything I've ever wanted in this world, but without God, would it be all right with us? No. Well, that's that's right. Well, God gives him that opportunity here in chapter 33. He gives him that chance. And they make the right choice. In verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here. 
you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked people. I'll send my angel with you, meaning Jesus. Jesus will go with you, and we're going to do everything I promised we were going to do. I'm going to wipe out all your enemies. I'll do all the battle for you. I'll do all the fighting for you, but I've got to stay here. I can't go with you. I can't go with you because I'll consume you. This is an amazing love we have in a, in a heavenly father, in a God that the rest of the world and every other religion in the world has no idea what kind of person he is, how loving he is, how gracious and merciful he is, to the point where if I go with you, I'll consume you, and I don't want that, so I have to stay here because you're going to continue in your rebellious ways, your stiff-necked ways. You're going to continue. I'll do everything I promised you, even though you're not going to do everything you said you were going to do with me, and I'll give you everything you ever wanted, everything I promised you is all yours, but I can't go with you or else you'll be consumed because I'm perfect, because I'm righteous, because I have pure justice. I am truth. There is no lie in me. There's no darkness at all. And you are all of those things right now. How hard. What a love. Even to that point. Verse 4, And when the people heard this bad news, at least they know it's bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I, I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. They have a choice. They could do exactly what he told them to do, to go up, to follow Moses, to go with this angel, have everything defeated before them, given the land of flowing with milk and honey, and, and live there, but without God, without him. That's, uh, you know, if I was to ask you that question, if you were asked the world, every Christian, that question, what's the greatest gift God has ever given us? Usually the answer, and especially in Sunday school, is Jesus. But it's, he's not. He's not the greatest gift. Jesus isn't the greatest gift. He's the greatest answer. He's the greatest second gift. The greatest gift God's ever given us is free will. You know how hard that is to give someone free will when you're a God who doesn't have to give free will? You could make everybody love you. You could make everybody follow you. You could make everything work out like it's supposed to. But way back in the garden, he put a a tree there. It says, if you choose to eat this, we'll be separated by death. But I'll leave it here for you. It's your choice. It's your choice. That's love. That's the greatest gift he's ever given us. Because without it, I would never know whether I really love God or not. He would never know whether I really love him or not. It's just a matter of, I'm a robot. I'm a puppet. I must do what I've been inclined to do. I've been pre-programmed. But instead, he's given us this gift of free will. And here it is. I'll give you everything you ever wanted. It's your choice whether you have me or not. Proverbs 15, 17, and then 17, 1, both say about the same thing. The writer's getting something across. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. The 